Hello guys, uh, before we start, I know, again, it's been a little bit quiet the past few weeks, um, but as you can probably hear, the sound quality is a lot better, I've just got some new equipment, and uh, I wanted to change up the format of the show a little bit, so yeah, let me know what you think, um, and uh, I won't waste any more time, on with the show. So, how pioneering would you say this film is, since it's the first one? Well, it's, uh, you know, it being the first one, it, it's, you know, it's, it's revolutionary. This is John Lasseter, one of the founding members of Pixar, talking about Toy Story. And it's also, um, you know, by, by the fact that no one else had made a film like this, we were really, like, kind of jumping into the deep end of a swimming pool to learn how to swim. We really... Back then, no um, one could have foreseen, at Pixar, least of all the creators themselves, how much of a worldwide phenomenon Toy Story would become. So how did that happen? How did this film get made? I'm Isaac Pevy, and this is the Hyperion Gazette. Let's start with Steve Jobs. And so I went up there and saw what they were doing, and I met uh, the, the, the leader of this group, uh, Dr. Ed Catmull. And Ed told me about his dream, which was to make the first computer animated feature film someday. Yes, Steve Jobs was instrumental in getting this going by brokering a deal with Disney to produce several full-length feature films. Now, this was no small feat. Let's have some historical context here. Nothing like this had ever been done before. We think of it as normal now, but the most revolutionary films of the time in terms of animation were films like Beauty and the Beast, which had just a couple of CG elements to it. No one took it seriously as a main method of making film. So getting Disney on board, the main perpetrators of animation in the first place, was massive. There's a fun fact, actually, uh, that I feel needs to probably be expressed here. You know how Toy Story and all the other Pixar films are called Disney Pixar? And how all the box art has Disney and Pixar side by side, sort of written above the, above the title? Well, that was Steve Jobs too. Disney wanted to just have their name as the main name, effectively making Pixar a ghostwriter, if you will. But Steve Jobs was having none of it, to the point where he actually called the deal off. Disney, of course, as history shows, caved on that. Back to the show. So, Pixar went to Disney with a story and, you know, some other bits and pieces and character designs, and Disney thought, well, something just isn't quite right here. Go back and, you know, make, make something a little bit more edgy. And they did. And <laughs> Woody kind of ended up being a bit of a nasty piece of work. You know that scene where they all think um, Woody has pushed Buzz out the window? Well, in the original version of the film, he actually did. Woody! You deliberately threw Buzz out the window! Hey, it's a toy toy world. <gasps> Disney, as you can probably imagine, hated this. They detested it. So much so that they actually, you know, they thought about cancelling the whole project. But the Pixar team, they begged, they said, give us another three months, we'll come up with something a lot better. And you know what? They really did. What Disney saw the second time Pixar showed them was something that, you know, while whilst not being perfect, certainly had a lot more potential. As John Lasseter will tell you, Pixar's main focus has always been the story. Despite their sort of technological prowess, if you will, it's always come second in terms of the story. The focus of what we do is still where it's most important, and that's with the story and the characters. 
and what a cast of characters they had, starring, of course, mainly Tom Hanks as Woody and Tim Allen as Buzz. Two massive actors, particularly Tom Hanks, who had recently won Oscars. What did these guys think of the film? We thought we were making a goofy cartoon. Thanks, Tom. But bearing in mind all I've said about this film so far, how sort of the odds were almost against it, how does a film like this end up with Tom Hanks in the starring role? I mean, admittedly, they had Disney's backing, but how, how did that happen? Um, Tom Hanks had just finished filming Philadelphia when he, we first talked to him. And when he came in, we showed him all these drawings, that, you know, uh, from the pre-production artwork for the film and got him real excited about it. And then what we did is we took um, his voice from Turner and Hooch, a couple scenes from Turner and Hooch, and actually animated an early um, computer model of Woody um, speaking the Turner and Hooch dialogue and I showed that to him and he just loved it. He thought this was great and got very excited and says, I'm there, when do I start? So Tom Hanks was enthusiastic. Tom Hanks was at a point in his career where he could really pick and do whatever film he wanted. So clearly there was something special going on. Tom Hanks wasn't the only special talent working on this film. Those that had writers like Joss Whedon, who actually had a small writing credit, obviously of Avengers and Firefly fame. But they also had Randy Newman, who was a Grammy Award-winning musical composer himself, making music. So it looks like all the ingredients are there for a great film. The only thing left is, you know, for the technology to work, to get this milestone to happen. And they crank on these drawings for like, you know, three hours by one of the fastest computers in the world, which is why the, the drawings are three-dimensional. But the animators act. You know, I've watched John and his team work, and they, they are the heart and soul of the characters. They do all the acting, not the computers. The plan was to render Toy Story over 20 months using 53 processes. But that grew to 300. 300 computers rendering Toy Story. But just to give an indication of how far we've come, Pixar now has 23,000 computers at its disposal, and that is enough to remember Toy Story in real time. So we went from 20 months to real time. That's just a little bite of how far we've come technology-wise. So in November 1995, Toy Story gets its premieres. Yes. Premieres. The first one was at the El Capitan Theatre in Los Angeles, and there was actually one a day later, organised by Steve Jobs at the Regency in San Francisco. Now the first one Disney organised, so it had the more sort of, as you'd expect, Hollywood guests, and the one a day after had sort of the more tech Silicon Valley guests. Now, what this did was it kind of highlighted a bit of a rift between Disney and uh, Pixar, which we all knew was there. Um, as I said earlier, uh, because Disney didn't really want Pixar to be on, on the box art, I wanted it to be a Disney film, so it sort of came down to the fact, was this a Pixar film, or was this a Disney film? Um, and this was sort of a battle that would rage on for a while, um, but again, this is something that we will get to in another podcast later on. Toy Story, however, what this podcast is about, um, got widespread critical acclaim, like massive, massively popular. It got a 100% approval rating uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, 
and if we read the website's consensus now, it says that uh, entertaining as it is innovative, Toy Story reinvigorated animation while heralding the arrival of Pixar as a family-friendly force to be reckoned with. And its praise has not stopped then. Ever since then, it's been on numerous sort of greatest films of all time lists. And director Terry Gilliam, this this is this is just a fantastic endorsement. It says that it is a work of genius. It got people to understand what toys are about. They're true to their own character, and that's just brilliant. I'd put it as one of my top ten films. Period. That's Terry Gilliam, guys. Legendary director, popular mainly for the Monty Python films he did, but that's incredible praise. But why was it so loved? Well, you know, we worked so hard because the most important thing to me in creation of, story, of Toy Story was to make a film that, that of course, kids will like because it's all about toys. I mean, most kids look at it as a documentary, you know. Um, and, but the parents are going to like it. And then the, the adults without kids would like it. And then teenagers. Yeah, when they were making this film, they made it for everyone, not just kids. They had, at the beginning, they wanted it to be a film everyone could enjoy. A true family film. And you can tell by some of the jokes that are made. What do you say I get someone else to watch the sheep tonight? <laughs> Hell yeah. I... Remember, I'm just a couple of blocks away. Absolute filth. Well, personally, Toy Story is one of my most favourite films ever, really. I grew up with it. It makes me cry. It makes me laugh. In, as we've heard, many, many different ways to how it ever used to. I absolutely adore it, and I adore all the sequels, and you know what, they can make as many of them as they like. They can milk it dry, because I cannot get enough of those characters. Many thanks to all of you who have listened uh, this week. It's been a bit of a change of the format, as you've heard. Let me know your thoughts on it. I love your feedback. Um, yeah, any anything, anything you want to let me know, just let me know, please. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Hyperion Gazette, or you can email us HyperionGazette at gmail.com. And if you're feeling really generous, we'd really, really love it if you could uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, I'd like that very much. Um, so yeah. Thanks again for listening, guys, and uh, until next time, I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.